0: Thank you for being here today, and um, thank you for coming late and still being here, because I didn't think anyone was going to come. We had like three people to start, so, you know, I'm just so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. All right, we've already, this is message three. This will be the last one we're talking about. We're, We're using the passage in Matthew 16, I believe it is, I think verses 19 through 21. Let me just double check my notes. Where Jesus said, "Lay not up for yourselves, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal." And then the third verse is, "For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." So we've been talking about treasure, and we noted that the word treasure itself speaks of an accumulation of goods set aside for future use. And I use this picture, and I want to remind you uh, of it right now as we start. Apparently the Jews have had this thought and this, this teaching uh, way back since you know, Old Testament times, of, and we've seen it in the scripture about the idea, my cup runneth over, and, and there are scriptures that use that very phrase, and the idea is that they have, apparently for centuries, seen the fact that uh, our lives, our needs, are like a, a cup, and as God fills that cup, you know, a cup supplies drink, sustenance for us, and so he meets our needs, we drink from the cup, and... You know, as long as he keeps filling that cup and meeting our needs, that would, that would picture God's supply for us to meet our needs. And then there gets to a point where the cup is so full that it begins to flow over. And apparently this is a, a, an image of that, that God will often bless us more than we our, our needs are. And that that then is the bounty, the blessing that we can be generous and give to others. And so we have this concept that we want to continue today. I, I observed from responses in the first two messages, because really this was, it started out, and it really is, a challenge for, for God's people to give to missions as we look forward to next year. Uh, we have a separate budget for our missions giving, and uh, we have if you if you uh, have an envelope, we have a thing that says for tithes, and then we have a thing for offering, and then a thing for others, and that's the way for for decades we have been able to support some missionaries almost since we started, uh, and we're able to give to missions all across the world and be a part of world evangelism, and it's a big blessing, and. If we just want people to prayerfully consider if this is your home church, what God might want to do through you to give to missions, and it's it's just one aspect of our giving, and um, we have these faith promise slips in the back that we're going to keep out till the mid mid January, and what we want you to do is just maybe take one and pray over it. It's all we're doing. We're not twisting anyone's arms. We're not pressuring anyone. Uh, and, and in fact, the last two times, we've, we've, I've emphasized that some people are not in a place to give offerings. I mean, you're, you're, you know, they, they, maybe because of past choices, maybe health crises or financial, unforeseen financial things. Some people are just trying to keep it together and they need help getting their financial house in order. And I understand that. And, and in fact, any time I will address a topic like this, I realize it's kind of like when you talk about marriage and divorce. It's, you know, it's such a, it's an issue where it's not just a topic in the Bible, but it has affected people's lives. And I, I have learned to be so sensitive when I talk about certain things uh, and even like if I have to present, you know, this is what the Bible says, um, you know, I, I do never want to c- come across as somebody that's rubbing salt in someone's wounds. And I know in the past, especially as a young preacher, I was so naive. And, and you know, when you, when you hurt someone by the manner or the words you say, it's, oh, it it's, can be discouraging if that's not your intention. I think some preachers, it is their intention, you know, but I know it's not mine. So when we talk about finances, I I want you to understand if you're struggling financially, my job is to help you and I want to help you. Uh, We have a seminar that uh, I've been a coordinator. We've done it three or four times that just has helped people tremendously to just understand how to apply biblical principles and how to how to take an overwhelming topic that can just bury you. And just through literally baby steps, just work your way to put your financial house in order. And it's been a blessing to so many people. And so I realized when it comes to missions, um, you know, some of you can't give. And, And I would rather see you not give this year, this next year for missions, than to start and to start to, Get your finances in order and we want to help with that. Now, as I've been preaching on that, I think I've given the impression that, um, you know, if it, it, as far as giving, I, I want to go back now. I've, I've come to understand that we need to talk about stewardship. And that's what today is going to be about, stewardship. What is stewardship? Because when it comes to anything in your life, That you own, whether it's your dwelling, if you have a house or an apartment, or you rent, or or your possessions, or your finances, or the people that are in your life that God has blessed you with, or the body that God has given you, your health. There's so many areas that I find that if you don't understand some foundational principles, you're not going to understand when the Bible starts exhorting us in certain areas. And so we want to back up tonight, or this morning rather, and just deal with some foundational principles on what God says about everything we own. And in order to do that, we have to understand the concept of stewardship. And I want to go back to an illustration I've used in the past that is a memory of mine when I was pastoring in my early days in a different church. And I remember hearing a story of a, another church, I believe it was this, a like-minded church in the area that had a business meeting. And it was, a, uh, you know, business meetings can be a blessing and they can be a challenge. And apparently this was a, a really difficult business meeting. I think the pastor was probably sharing with me what happened. They, they had a building fund and they were discussing what would be done with their building fund. I don't even remember what church or who the pastor was. I just remember that this, this man shared with me that during the business meeting, they were discussing how to use the funds for the building fund. And there was a man in there that was very vocal. He had his opinions on how the church should do it. And uh, and, and as the, the, the congregational meeting was going on and the discussion wasn't going you know, he, let, he said, I think we should do this with our building fund. And the, the, the congregation was being more swayed in a different direction, and he didn't like the way it was going. And he, it culminated with him in utter frustration saying, I'll have you know that I've got thousands of my dollars in that building fund. And, uh, it, and then it went on. And he, he was trying to get leverage because obviously this man had donated had given generously and uh, felt like he was entitled to have a little more say. And I've thought about that over the years. Uh, That man did not understand some basic things about stewardship and our finances, his finances. And so he had been generous, he had given money, and he had... Initially, giving it under the guise of "this is being given to the Lord," and to make that statement, I want because because some of you, I'm no doubt, some of you are probably thinking, "That makes sense," you know. The guy, the guy's given a lot, and he should have some say. And you don't see that there is a in that attitude, there is an integral misjudgment or misunderstanding in the concept of giving and stewardship in that man's mind. We're going to go back to it in a little bit. But I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Is your Bible open to that? Now, 1 Peter chapter 4 is, um, Peter is talking about the mentality, suffering. Uh, 1 Peter is a lot about suffering for young Christians and the need to stand for Christ. And then in verse 8, Peter begins to challenge them about certain gifts that they have, very much in line with what uh, Charlie was teaching this morning in our adult Bible study, that we all have gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he did a great job of handling a very difficult topic and uh, just jumping in. But now, now Peter brings up some of those things. We all have different gifts. And in verse 8, he says, Above all things, have fervent charity. Charlie mentioned this this morning. That was the emphasis of 1 Corinthians 13 among yourselves for charity or love, I believe it's the word agape, shall cover the multitude of sins. And then he says this, use hospitality one to another without grudging. And then he backs up for a minute and begins to make a broad statement that would apply to everyone, whether they had a special gift of hospitality or charity or any of these other things. And he said this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God is going back to referring to the things that God has blessed us with. As every man hath received the gift. God blesses all of us with different gifts, different abilities, Different callings, and as such, because he doesn't make he doesn't equip any two of us exactly alike. Don't forget that when you have a special passion or a special gift for something, don't expect other people to have that same gift. And now Peter is saying, as every man has received the gift, in other even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, this, this brings out such an important point. Everything you and I own, everything you and I, our abilities, our talents, our strengths, all of that is because of the grace of God. And remember what is grace? Grace. It's God giving us something that we don't deserve. Any good, any good thing in your life, any area where God has blessed you or given you a certain ability to do something, it is all because of God's grace. Nothing good that we get. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And that is manifold. The word that, uh, that's used here is Manifold. In other words, it, it just is all-encompassing. So, what is stewardship? Well, let's talk about stewardship. Uh, the, the word "steward" is here. Three things we want to do this morning. What is, we're going to answer three questions. What is stewardship? No want to ask you a question once we do that. Are you a steward? Do you consider yourself a steward? And then thirdly, what happens to stewards? The, the nature of the idea of stewardship? means that something's going to happen after it's all said and done. And we're going to talk about that. Now, let's talk about what is a steward. First of all, let's back up. Stewardship is really, um, it really isn't a Christian idea as far as the specific word. You realize that the, the idea of stewardship is very new. And by new, I mean by the, like, the 16th century, 50. Uh, origins of it go back to the 1300s. Before that, they didn't have. There was no word for stewardship. They didn't have a word, uh, and it was a different concept because it was presented. All these words that you see in the Bible. And by the way, if you pull out a concordance and you look in your Old Testament and your New Testament, you will find the word steward or stewardship 18 times, which makes us think that stewardship is a thing. But here's what's interesting. When the Bible began to be translated in, in, in English, when English was relatively young and there was no Bible in English, they came across certain words, and at that time uh, Latin was the predominant language. And so they needed to come up with certain words that... Um, you know when they're translating from Latin or from the Greek and Hebrew and into this new language called English. And back when William Tyndale, excuse me, John Wycliffe, no, that's going before, Wycliffe came before Tyndale. When William Tyndale began to translate the Bible, he came upon this concept of somebody managing someone else's possessions and, and there were various Greek words, there were various Latin words for that. And he was he's trying to think, okay, what would be the perfect word that would convey that idea? And at that time, in England, they had something called stewardship. And it was the perfect word. And so William Tyndale was the first person to use this word steward or stewardship in the Bible. And he only used it a few times. The 18 times that you see now in our Bibles, uh, it, was, it was just a few times. He's the one that started it though. And then after that, uh, Miles Coverdale used it even more. Uh, the Geneva Bible used it even more and up to where the King James translators used it 18 times. But here's the idea. Um, in fact, look at let's turn to Luke chapter 16, Luke 16. It's one of those examples where we find the word steward. Luke 16, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, it says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be may no, uh, may thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do for my Lord taketh away from me my, the stewardship I cannot uh, dig to beg I am ashamed. So we see this word steward coming out over and over and over again. So when William Tyndale translated this word, he came up with, and this is one of the places he used the word steward. Now prior to that, There was an English translation of the whole Bible that had already come out. It was translated from the Latin, Vulgate, and it was translated by John Wycliffe. And he did not use the word steward here. He used the word bailiff. And there's, of these 18 words that are now called steward, there was, um, in some of the English translations, there was bailiff, which, by the way, a bailiff was a subordinate administrative or judicial officer. The word bailiff, uh, we, we have the word bail, and it comes from the same idea. A bailiff uh, at a broader meaning than it just means now. It was basically someone in some capacity that was taking care of someone else's possessions. And some of the other translations of this, these words was, um, for example, Wycliffe in Genesis 15-2, Matthew 28, instead of the word steward that's used now, He used the word procurator, procurator. Like um, in Genesis 15.2, it talks about Eleazar. In the King James, it says the steward. He was the steward of the house. And and Wycliffe used a different word. Genesis 40, or excuse me. So the word dispenser is another word that's now translated steward. Um, Somebody that is in charge of something and dispenses it. But you get the idea a steward, what would become a steward, is somebody that is not an owner, but is somebody that is taking care of someone else's stuff. Like back in the, in the day when there were lords and castles and knights, a steward was someone who was in charge of the castle and all the king's affairs. Not just his money and his expenses, but all his properties and all the the people that were under his realm, the steward had power over all of that, would make the decisions. But he wasn't the owner. He wasn't the king. And so this idea of stewardship that is so prevalent today in our scriptures is basically, just think of it as a manager, not an owner, a manager. And you know what God says to us? We are not owners. Now, this is so basic. But, and so those of you that have been saved for some time, you're like, Pastor, tell me something I didn't know. But I want you to understand that if you're going to go on with understanding the teachings of the Scripture, you have to acknowledge this idea that God owns it all. Paul says this in Corinthians. He says, For what do you have? What dost thou have that thou didst not receive? What do you and I have that we didn't receive? And the answer to that, the implied answer not written in there is nothing. Everything's been given by God. Then Paul says, Now if you received it then, if God gave it to you, why do you boast in glory as if you didn't receive it? And that describes a lot of people. A lot of people, especially if they're not Believers, and they haven't followed the Bible, they think their life is their own. And they think that, you know, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, and I will determine what happens with my money. Like the guy at that church that said, that's my money in there. By the way, I've thought about that so many times. I wasn't a pastor. I don't even know what church it was. But after 31 years of thinking about that, I had the perfect answer. If I, if I was the pastor, here's what I would do now. The guy stands up and he goes, that's my money in there. I would say, whoa, wait a minute. How on earth did the, how did we get your money? Who stole this man's money and put it in our building fund? Get it back. We're going to give it back to you right now. I'm so sorry. It's your money. Now that, you know, you get the idea is that stewardship, is understanding that everything belongs to God. And until you understand that, in fact I remember Larry Beckett used to say this and I, and I actually did this. He said he recommended people having an actual dedication time where they get down on their knees and they just commit everything that they all their possessions to God and and acknowledge, Lord, here's my car. It's a beat up old blue Maverick. You you own it. I give I transfer the title to you. All My bank account, my house, my, my possessions, I just give it all to you. I transfer ownership. And, and I remember doing that. Now, you don't have to like go through a ceremony or anything. But mentally, you need to acknowledge that. Because if you don't get to that point, you're never going to have the proper attitude about the things that God gives you. Because that's not how you're going to see it. I earned it. I deserve it. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. That covers it all, right? What does God own? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything. The earth And they that dwell therein, that's us, God owns it all. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians 4. Is that where you are? No, okay, you're in Luke. Let's let's go to 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. So I want to ask you now, in light of that, would you say that you are a steward and not an owner? Or, let me put it this way, do you see yourself as simply a manager with someone over you when it comes to your possessions and your family and your life and your whole being? Or does the buck stop? It's all you are the one. Now, if you've not done this, I want you to realize and and I want you to, to tell God, Lord, I'm just a steward. I don't own anything. And by the way, that may sound simple, but when it comes to things in your life that are very precious, when God decides that he wants to take them from you, um, if you don't realize that they were his to belong with, you're going to get very bitter and very angry. Uh, and I just share this because this, is, this was a lesson I, we had to learn When we got married, we wanted to have kids so bad, and we initially could not. And then over the years, God blessed us with nine pregnancies. Now, some of you that know us. You know, we only have four kids. We lost five pregnancies. And I know people that have only lost one pregnancy, and they are so bitter because God took it away from them. I learned this principle so many years ago that from the very first time, My wife and I got pregnant. We sat down with that little pregnancy test strip. Literally knelt down. I know this is corny. You know, you don't need to do this. But Larry Burkett told me to do it. No. I remember we knelt down. And we said, Lord, this pregnancy strip is yours. No, we said, Lord, this baby is yours. This was early on in the pregnancy for each one. We said, Lord, we just give this baby to you. If you want to take it. It's, it's totally up to you. This is your child. It's not ours. And we kind of transferred the ownership. So five times when we did not come to full term and we lost a pregnancy, we understood God wasn't taking anything away from us. It was his to begin with. It's such a basic thing. But I want you to get to that point where you see everything as God blessed you with it. Now look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a man sow account of us. Paul is in the midst of major strife going on in the church, uh, in Corinth, all kinds of division, and and his name was being maligned uh, behind his back, and then he find out about it. He said in verse 1, Let a man sow account of us. In other words, here's... Here's how I want you to see us. Here's how I want you to view us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the manifold mystery or of the mysteries of God. And by the way, this this word stewards, um, Tyndale translated this translation, this verse, with disposers. Uh, but other other words, other Greek words, he translated steward. So when Miles Coverdale came along with the updated version of Tyndale's version, he put the word stewardship. And then, um, but then the Bishop's Bible, then a couple of Bibles after that, right before the King James, they used the word disposers. And then the King James translator said, let's go back to this word that Tyndale used for it. Let's use the word steward. So when you think of a steward, think of a disposer, a manager, someone who dispenses God's stuff. And in this case, Paul's not talking about money. He's talking about the ministry of the gospel. Him being called to be responsible for the gospel. He says, I want you to account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards, disposers, managers of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards, managers, disposers, dispensers. It is required that a man, that a person be found faithful. What an amazing thing. In 1 Corinthians, in fact, Paul would then go on. Look um, Look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 4. For who maketh thee to differ from another, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? I just quoted this out loud paraphrase. What do you have that you didn't receive? This is the whole issue of stewardship. Now, if you did receive it, in other words... You didn't produce it. It didn't come from you. You didn't create it. Someone created it and gave it to you. Why do you glory? Why do you boast? As if it's your own stuff. That's what he's saying. As if you didn't receive it. Why do you do that? If you don't see yourself as a manager, rather you you see yourself as the owner of your life, you're going to be radically affected with God's claims on your life. Like, like you're going to see what the Bible says about giving financially to the to the Lord's work. You're going to struggle with that. To, and there's some people that just, you know, cannot when, it, when a church has, just the idea that the church passes around a collection plate is an offensive thing. Because... If God doesn't have any claims on your life, then then that cannot be interpreted in any other way. Then they're just greedy. They're just greedy. Now let's talk for a minute about how God uses our resources to fund His work. I have a feeling this is going to be going into next week. You okay with that? Thank you. (laughs) I think I saw one person say, I'm okay with it and that means you all said that. All right, let's go to uh, Numbers 18. And we'll just just, probably stop here just because of time's sake. But I want you to go to Numbers chapter 18. Now we're going to look at, and I want to make it clear, we're going to look at an Old Testament passage that is specifically referring to Israel. Understand, that's the context. But I want you to understand how God set up things for his work to be funded. And he did it in the Old Testament, and there's a principle which seems to carry into the New Testament. So let's let's talk about how God uses the resources of the Israelites to meet the needs, not just of the temple or the tabernacle and the whole worship system, but even an entire tribe that were the ministers of that day that their job was ministry of the temple or of the tabernacle. The priests, I'm referring to the Levites, uh, they were the people that were in the choir, they were the people that had all different jobs spelled out in the scriptures very articulately. Some were priests, some were the porters, Some it, it all, that's how the ministry of worshiping God In that Old Testament sacrificial system, that's how it was funded. In fact, when all the tribes got their inheritance, the Levites got nothing. And God set it up that way because he was going to take a tithe from all the other tribes and challenge them. Listen, all you other tribes, I want you to know, and again, this was to Israel, the tithe is the Lord's. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to fund my worship and the supply of all the Levites and all the different, I'm going to do it through your willingness to give a portion of what you get in. And and it was a big test, a big test for Israel, a real big test for the Levites. Because if if the other people weren't obedient and faithful and, and didn't have that idea of, God owns everything. Guess who would suffer first? The Levites. And that's what happened. So look at Numbers 18 and verse 24. Now he's instructing Israel. And by the way, did I say that the context here is this is an Old Testament challenge to the Jews? Did I tell you that? Okay, well, I want to emphasize that. Look what he says. But the tithes of the children of Israel which they offer... Okay, who's the one? Now, tithe, the word tithe literally means a tenth. It was called the first fruits. And in the Old Testament, I think it's Leviticus, the Bible says, God says, the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to me. And that was, and here now, the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer, and by the way, tithes was not just money. It had to do with everything. In an agricultural community, it meant that all their agricultural, their, all their crops, all the things, all their gain, they were challenged to give the first fruits, the first tithe, the 10% to God. Now, did some of the Israelites struggle with that? No doubt about it. Because when they got away from God, it was one of the first things to go. You know, they're like, I need this 10%. And so we will see briefly maybe next week, that when things weren't going well, they'd lost this mentality, that was one of the first things to go. But notice what this verse says. The tithes of the children of Israel, this is all their increase. It's whatever they would get in their crops. It's whatever. We would view it today as our income, whatever comes in. The tithes of the children of Israel, which... They offer, notice God gave them that freedom of will. They had the ability to give it. They had the ability to keep it back. Which they offer as an heave offering unto who? The Lord. So imagine now, you got these Israelites. They're getting all kinds of crop and wheat and corn. And and now they're so thankful to the Lord that they, the first fruits, in other words, this is totally by faith, whatever that first harvest comes in, uh, they're going to give that first portion to God to acknowledge, Lord, you own it all. And, And just again, look at this verse now. Numbers 18, 24, the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord. God now says this, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Now, here's an important point. And by the way, if you want to pursue a little more about this whole idea, I want to recommend a book that has just blessed me immensely. Uh, Pastor John Cartwright from uh, Morton uh, had a pastor's conference, and he gave out this little booklet years ago, and it's called The Treasure Principle. It's by a pastor, local pastor, a pastor in Pennsylvania, a pastor in America, and he wrote this little book called The Treasure Principle that just expounded certain biblical principles, and and it was was awesome. And he made this statement. Uh, Looking at this verse, notice that the people gave their money to God, not the Levites. Very important. It may have looked like the people were giving to their spiritual leaders, but they actually gave to God. And it was God who then designated the funds to the Levites. Do you get that? So imagine old uh, Ahithophel. Not the one in the Bible, but a a random Ahithophel, a Jewish man who understands this idea that God, you know, I got to give back my my tithe. He's had a really bad year. He's had a lot of other extra expenses. And his... Harvest isn't as good as it normally would be. And poor old Ahithophel, it comes time now, everyone's going to give their tithes in the storehouse. And Ahithophel says, that's my money right there. You're not getting my money, you you grubby Levites and priests. That's my money. You see, I'm sure stuff like that happens. Or maybe after he gave it, he heard how the Levites were spending it and he thought, you know, that's my money in there, but do you see why it's so important? And let me read this quote again, because this is so basic. Notice again, Numbers 18, 24. Notice that the people gave their money to God, not the Levites. It may have looked like they were giving their to their spiritual leaders, but they actually gave to God. And it was God who then designated the funds to the Levites. Now we're talking Old Testament, right? We're gonna, next week we're gonna move into how certain principles there seem to vary, are brought out in the scriptures regarding gospel ministry. Jesus uh, made a statement in, I believe, Matthew 18, and Paul and Peter would then pick up on that to establish certain New Testament concepts. But I want to close with this. This idea of stewardship is so important many years ago. I've never done this ever before, and I, I don't think I'll ever do this again. but I had the opportunity years ago. Somebody contacted us and this this lady had a friend that had so many emotional needs and so we began to minister to this lady. My wife and I would visit her several times and um, she she just she had a lot of issues and as we began to open the word. She was very unteachable. And so one time, uh, so because of that, and she started demanding a lot of our time, so we had to pull back because there's other people to minister to. And um, so her friend got a little upset that we weren't visiting this lady all the time. And so she she gave us a call and and then she came to church. And um, after she was leaving on the way out, she shook my hand. And she said, "Um, you going to go back and visit my friend? She said, I just want you to know that um, I put a very large check in the offering. Are you going to go visit my friend? And I remember thinking, whoa, wait a minute. And I said, you know what, ma'am? I've never done this and and I don't know how I exactly worded it. Um, But this was not someone that was giving to the Lord. And I immediately went to our treasurer who Way back then, it was some guy named Dave Osenbach, who, uh, and I said, Dave, listen, this is what's going on, and I, I really don't want to take that. And and he found the check; it was a large check. And I said, ma'am, and, and no offense, but you know, this when we have our offering, it's people that are giving the money to the Lord, and with no, you know, it's it's no strings attached. It's and so I want you to have that back. So we don't usually give people's money back when they give. Uh, but that was such a clear, it was such a clear instance where this person was using a financial gift for leverage. And and I just, you know, it, it, and by the way, she's never come back. Surprise, surprise. But, but um, you know, I want you to understand, we don't want you to put money in the offering unless you're giving it to God. And by the way, I do the same thing. I give a first fruits of my offering, which is what the church gives, and, and and when I give that money, I am basically relinquishing it. Uh, it's, it's a gift to God. And I really do. When I write that check, every time I get a paycheck, I am giving it to God. And, and I want you to understand this is a basic concept of stewardship. Please see yourself, not as an owner, but as a manager. And that God is blessing you And now we're going to look at next week that, again, we've already looked at what is stewardship, and then I'll pick up with this in the beginning. Are you a steward? Do you see yourself as a steward? Because if you don't, that's where God would want you to do it. And then thirdly, what happens to stewards? The very definition of stewardship means something's going to happen. We'll talk about that next week. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for today. And I thank you, Lord, for your generosity to us Truly the earth is yours and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Father, we're so grateful that we have the privilege of managing any of your assets. And and we all are given different assets of finances, of gifts, of talents, of ability, of time. uh, So many different areas that we are just managers. But Father, help us to settle this matter so that then we're in a place where we can even go to the Bible without our own preconceived ideas to read into text, but we can allow you to speak to us out of the Scriptures. And so we ask your blessing. And Father, we ultimately ask you to help us to not just be stewards of your stuff, but that we would be good stewards and that we would glorify you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.